Wow, that's a little hot. There we go. Um, and if you'll mute AJ's, because he always picks me up. Thank you. Good morning. I'm glad you guys could be here uh, in person and also um, through the Facebook Live or through YouTube. I know my parents watch. Um, hopefully my daughters are watching, or if not, they will at some point, because they did watch last week. Um, it's been a good week. Um, as Chad was saying, we have a VLC here. It allows students to come in and virtually attend school. Um, there is much more to it than just the way that sounds, even to the point that some of the teachers um, are still struggling with the technology as well. Had a couple that putting out the wrong links or whatever the case may be. And so we did get all that finally straightened out and it turned out to be a pretty good week with the kids. Uh, I'm volunteering my time here because my boys are coming here. Um, and oh, I'm tired. It's a long week. There was, there was one day, I don't remember if it was Wednesday or Thursday. I came home. I'm normally, you know, up and around and doing things at the house or playing with the boys or whatever. And I lay down on the couch. I was out until about 9 o'clock. And I woke up just long enough to move from the couch to the bedroom. And I slept the rest of the night. Um, so it's physically and emotionally exhausting, but it is so worth it. Um, uh, it's given us so many more people to pray over, um, and that is one of the benefits of it. Um, <laughs> yes, that one and a couple of others. Oh, and my six-year-old brought somebody else's tablet home, uh, so I get to explain that to a parent this tomorrow. Uh, he said, oh, I think we swapped. And then I looked through his book bag, and he had his too. So we had two iPads. Um, but anyway, uh, it has been a good week. And, I, you know, I've, I've, I've just, let me start over. I have discussed this with some of the staff. And I haven't really put it out in public. But um, being at home during the pandemic has really messed with me. I don't know if you guys have felt this. I don't know. I'm, I'm an introverted extrovert, which means I'm really shy until I don't want to be shy anymore, and then I'm really annoying most of the time. Um, <laughs> no agreement from the, from the back, please. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, and in, in fact, I told Pastor this morning that I'm very memorable. You either really, really like me or you really, really don't. And, and there's really not much of an in-between um, because that's just... That's who I am. And so not being able to go out and interact with people has really weighed on me heavily. And it, it, I've actually uh, had some bouts of depression. Uh, I'll be honest about it because, listen, mental illness is nothing to mess with. And it's not something that you should keep to yourself. Um, it has been hard. And so as I was studying the lesson this week, uh, we're in Jonah chapter 2 in case you want to get started. Um, and, of course, Pastor loves graphics, so he actually downloaded all of it and got it all up for you, so you'll see it um, from the ESV, because that's what I read from and teach from. Um, as I'm studying the lesson, God's just reminded me. We had uh, several milestones this week in our family life. Um, today, in fact, it marks the six-year anniversary of when my family began to minister here in Beaufort. Um, my wife and I celebrated our 26th anniversary, uh, wedding anniversary, which says a whole lot more about her than it does about me and how she's still sane right now, I don't know. I, and then 
we also celebrated a milestone with our boys. Now, if you know us, you know that what our journey has looked like over the last year. Um, give me a minute. It's not always been easy. It's not always been fun. It's not always something I've wanted to do, just to be honest. But I knew it was something we were supposed to. Um, and this week we celebrate one year of those young men lives being changed by the fact that they get to live with us. And there are better days ahead. I don't want to, I don't want to get too much hope going, but there are much better days ahead so that um, eventually we get to the point that um, we don't just have to celebrate that they live with us, but that they, I mean, they already belong to us in our hearts. Don't get me wrong. Um, but we're, hoping and praying. So you guys pray with us that that, that would be God's will uh, for them and for us. So when we left Jonah last week, anybody remember where he was? Tossed off a boat, swallowed by a fish, right? A lot of discussion uh, in different circles. What kind of fish was it? When you're in children's church, you're taught Jonah was swallowed by a whale, which I always thought was funny. And I thought about that this week. I thought, you know, Adam named all the animals, right? Adam named all the animals, right? Isn't that what the word says? He named all the animals. And so when he got to this one, why did he revert to a southern drawl? God says, what you going to call this one? And he says, well, see? Oh, yes, it did work. I didn't think it was going to work, but it did work. Okay. That was awesome. <laughs> It's kind of scary that Dan and I are on the same wavelength, but okay. All right. So last week uh, when we left Jonah, he was in a whale or a great fish. Um, and hopefully, as we walked away from last week's lesson, we learned a few things. Um, we learned that we are comfortable in our relationship with Jesus until he asks us to do more. Um, we learn that when we are actively fleeing the plan and the presence of God, that not only do we endanger ourselves, but others' eternal future. And then at the end there, we learn that our gifts aren't always the same, but we are given them to affect others for the kingdom. So we're going to go ahead and begin to read in Jonah chapter 2, and we're actually going to cover part of chapter 3 as well. It will be on the screens, thanks to Pastor Chad says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. And he answered me, Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from the sight, from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple." The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. And I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. How much like us is that prayer? How often do we get into a place where I was just talking to you guys about, where it's like, oh, poor me, woe is me, why is this happening to me? 
Because let's be honest, we can be very me-centered. We can be very selfish and very focused on what's happening to us um, and around us. And I wondered, as I read through this passage, how often does it take that before we call out to God? I called out to the Lord out of my distress. Is that really the only time that we speak to God? When we need something from him? I've been guilty of that in the past, and so uh, that's not an indictment against you. Um, I'm really convicted. I, I had a conversation this morning. I said, this message really convicted me as I studied for it, uh, and I hate that. I really do. I can't stand when God's like, ha-ha, I'm going to use this to fix some things in your life. Um, so that really spoke to me um, because I have been guilty in the past of only calling out to him when I desperately needed something because I want to rely on myself. And I, I know some of you are probably like that too. I can fix this. I can take care of it. I don't need any help. I won't call out to my neighbors. I won't mention to them that I've been struggling with depression. I won't say anything to my spouse about the fact that all the weight of the world seems to be on my shoulder because she's got enough stress and I can do it. I can handle it. But often it takes reaching that point before we'll cry out. And God knows that about us. That's why he allows those things to happen. I, I won't get it too deep into what I personally believe about that, but um, I will tell you that nothing happens in your life that doesn't pass through the hand of God. Nothing. Because if you believe that God is sovereign, that means he's in control of everything, then nothing happens to you that doesn't pass through the hand of God. Okay? Sometimes it's for correction, like he did with Jonah, like he does with me. Um, sometimes it's to increase our faith. Who knows the mind of God except God? But know that there's also a promise that says that all things work together for the good of those who love him. And so that's a great thing to cling to as you go through these things, as you find that you feel like your life is fainting away. It says, oh, Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out on the dry land. Now, that to me is an amazing part of the story. What we've seen is a man who obviously had a relationship with God. He knew God and God knew him because God sent word to Jonah that I need you to go and do something. And last week we learned that Jonah said, okay, and went that way when God told him to go that way. Even in his disobedience, God still heard Jonah's prayer of repentance. And that's key. I want us to really understand that when you live your life in disobedience, the prayer God hears is the one of repentance. Okay? We also see in this prayer, and it's kind of implied, it doesn't come outright and say it, but it says... Um, Sounds a lot like some of the prayers I used to pray. God, if you will, then I will. 
if-then. If-then statements are real familiar to coders, people who write software and programs for computers. Um, but if-then is not what the relationship between us and the Father is supposed to look like. We're not supposed to bargain with him. We're not supposed to offer him deals. We're supposed to submit. And so we see when Jonah finally comes to that place of submission that God hears his prayer. Um, and I, I kind of laughed because it said God spoke to the fish. And I just, you never think about the fact. You know, God talks to us in so many different ways that, you know, it's hard to miss the message um, when he's speaking to you. But I never really thought about the fact that God speaks to the rest of creation too. And they have a relationship with him, the trees, the grass. I mean, the Bible even says that he takes care of the flowers and the grass and the birds. And, and I just, it never occurred to me that God speaks to all creation, that he loves everything he has made. Um, and he wants it all to come back to how he originally made it before we messed it up. So I just thought that was a little neat tidbit that God spoke to the fish. He didn't just come, he just didn't just make it throw up. The fish didn't do it on its own. At the appointed time, when God told him to, the fish put Jonah back out on dry land. So we reached a point where Jonah is now free from the, the fish, and does he go to Nineveh? Does anybody know? Does he go straight to Nineveh? No. Um, in fact, it appears, as we begin to read on, uh, that he went back home. So God said, go and do this. And Jonah said, no. And God said, yes, in a very powerful way. And then when Jonah said, okay, I'm sorry, God said, all right, here you go. And Jonah went back home. All right? So now we're in um, Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and we're going to read. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. A second time. God's pretty insistent when he wants you to do something. Uh, you, like I said, you can't miss the message um, when he wants you to know something, unless you intentionally miss it, unless you are just actively moving away from it and fighting against it. So the word came to Jonah a second time saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. So we've reached a place of submission. He's now decided, okay, okay, I don't want to end up in a fish again. I don't want to see what else you got up your sleeve. You want me to go and talk to these people? I'll go. Okay? So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. He did exactly what God told him to. God said, go and speak what I tell you. So Jonah went. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. I want, I want you to try to wrap your mind around a city that is so large it would take you three days to walk across it. Okay? That's how big this city is. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey, and he called out. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh, Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, and from the greatest of them to the least of them. 
So we see Jonah answered the call, and he answered the exact thing that God asked him to do, right? God said, go, and God said, speak. Jonah went, and he spoke. But did he give everything he could have to that? Yeah, he was obedient. Yeah, he did what God asked him to. But did he really? The city's three days wide. He walked one day in. And he said, yo, in 40 days, God's going to wipe you out. That was it. (laughs) Now, while that may adhere to the letter of the law as far as what God asked him to do, do you think that adhered to the spirit of what God was asking him to do? And so I'm going to tell you, several years ago when I first read back through Jonah, and it, that, that hit me like a ton of bricks, that Nineveh was three days wide, and Jonah walked one day in, and God said to me, I'm tired of my people giving minimal effort. I'm tired of you barely obeying me. And I said, wow, okay. So then what does this supposed to look like? What God intended for Jonah, nobody will know for sure because it doesn't say, but I got a pretty good feeling that one day in wasn't enough. Now, I don't know about you, but if I've just spent days and nights inside of a fish big enough to hold me and, and then not digest me, I'm running laps around Nineveh. I'm screaming my head off. I'm telling everybody I can run into and all of their family and even their pets if I have to. Look, guys, this God that I follow, that I'm speaking for right now, he's coming because your city is so sinful. And when he shows up, you're not going to like it. But there's hope. Jonah didn't even tell him there was hope. Jonah didn't even tell them there was a way that they could avoid it. He just said, God's coming and you're dead. Peace. And it made me wonder how often those of us who have come into a relationship with Christ only give the minimal effort. Oh, sure, we, we, we justify it. We look at it and we say, well, you know, I tried and it, nobody would listen to me. Or, um, I didn't like it. I don't like public speaking, or I don't like speaking to people one-on-one. I'd rather just pray. I'd rather just pray. Can can I pray for you? Yeah, okay. Uh, Tuesday, when I pray, I'll pray for you. Or, you know what? I give to missions every Sunday, and that money goes and spreads the gospel. So that's my part. Now, that's not anybody in this building, but I have seen people These are direct quotes from people I have talked to about minimal effort. Well, it's not my gift. We talked about gifts last at the end of the service last week. This might not be your gift. It's probably not my gift, but I'm up here trying anyway. But if you're a willing vessel, God can use you for whatever he needs regardless of whether you're comfortable doing it, whether you're experienced at doing it, whether you're knowledgeable enough to do it, listen, God knows everything, and if he wants you to speak, he will give you the words. And he will prod you. Sometimes it feels like a cattle prod. You're like, "Mm, I don't want to talk to that person. 
And what you're really saying to God is, I don't care if they go to hell. Oh, gosh, that's not as funny. Right? Well, do you? Do you care if the world around you goes to hell? Because you're supposed to. In fact, the imagery that the Bible uses when it talks about this life that we're called to repeatedly describes it as a battle. We're at war. There is a war raging in the spiritual realm, whether you will admit it or not, and you have been called to be a soldier in that army. And yes, it looks like that you are on your knees praying every night. And yes, it looks like that you are telling people God's coming back. And if you don't know him, it's not going to be good for you. But there's hope. And while your money to missions does good, it doesn't do nearly the good that you could do. Now, somebody's going to walk away from this, whether in here or online, and they're going to say, you know that? Jason, he was talking about behavior modification and he was talking about works righteousness. No, I'm not. Nothing you do makes you right with God. But from the regeneration that comes from God making you new, you should have the desire and you should want other people and you should, you should want to do these things. You should want to tell people about how freeing it is to live in submission to Jesus. It shouldn't be something you begrudgingly do that God had to kick your rear end all the way across the ocean to get you to do. It should be something you gladly do every day and you should shout it from your rooftops. Or maybe you don't know him like I do and that's okay because at the end of service we'll give you a chance to do that. Because all of us went through that initial phase of excitement, this newness to this relationship. And, you know, we wanted to tell a couple of people. You know, I got saved first piece when I wanted to tell my mom and dad because they needed to know that I wasn't going to be that horrible little kid anymore. Well, I still was because I wasn't instantly perfect. Um, that took years and years. Ha-ha! <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> you guys are listening. That's great. Um, <laughs> but we find all the excuses we can come up with. I haven't got time. I'm too busy with my kids. I, I, I work two jobs. Okay, so do I. And now I work three. Um, and, and right now none of them are paying me. That's even better. Um, which I'm okay with. Don't get me wrong. That wasn't, that wasn't anything. Um, but we come up with all the excuses for why we can't instead of remembering the reasons why we should. And I can, I can list them. Uh, you can go through all the blessings that God has in your life. You can go through all the things he rescued you from, all the things that you might have run into had he not changed your life and put you on a different path. And, and you know, I could list all the ones out of my life, but here, here's the point. The reason we should... It's because God loved us first. And that's a powerful message. That in the depths of our sin, in the midst of how horrible that we were, maybe you weren't, and so, uh, okay, you were. Because we all are. As members 
of the army actively fighting against God. He loved us so much. And he loved us first. And he moved first. And he gave a sacrifice that none of us can imagine. I got six kids. Don't be offended. I'm not sacrificing any of them for y'all. Ever. In fact, you're going to have to kill me to get to them. And God said, I love you enough that I will give up my son. And not just let somebody kill him, but in the most grotesque way possible, in the most painful way possible. Because, see, Jesus didn't just die for you. He suffered. He paid the price that you owed for sin. And if that doesn't set you on fire to want to go out and tell other people about it, if that doesn't motivate you to want somebody else to find that freedom, then you better get back on your knees because you didn't get it. There towards the end of um, verse 5 in chapter 3, it says, And the people of Nineveh believed God. It doesn't say they believed Jonah. They recognized, even in his minimal effort. So there's still some hope for you clingers who, who only want to do the bare minimum. They recognized in Jonah's minimal effort that the word of God had come to them, and they immediately found themselves at a place of repentance. It says they called for a fast. They put on sackcloth and ashes from the highest to the lowest. Everybody went into repentance mode. If God can take Jonah's minimal effort into a city three days wide and with one effort have everybody in the city in repentance mode, imagine what he could do through you if you were willing to let him. If you would open your heart to other people. If you would just submit to the call he has placed on us. What if our walk, instead of looking like one day in the three-day journey, what if it looked like um, Colossians 3 or Ephesians 6? There's a couple of verses in both of those chapters that say, when you do something, I'm going to paraphrase them because I'm not going to quote them directly. When you do something, Give it everything you got as if you were honoring God with your work. If we approached our daily walk with that mindset, imagine the revival that could happen in this country, the hearts that could be turned back to God. All these social issues that we're having, anybody cancel Netflix? I'm, I'm going to today after reading through a bunch of it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. But all these perversions that have been led into mainstream America could be washed away if we would only give it the effort that honors God instead of a minimal effort like Jonah did. It said, and the people of Nineveh believed God. We go on to verse Six, it says, the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. 
and he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they had did, how they had turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Okay. Now, I don't get into politics from the pulpit because I don't believe that's the place for it. But I can tell you, I have been alive for at least six, maybe seven presidents. It's kind of tough to remember how many we've had. And no matter which party they had hanging over their name, I can tell you for sure the last seven, including our current one, you're not going to find this kind of submission in them. I'm not judging their heart. I'm going from the content of their actions. Jonah's minimal effort changed the heart of the king of a nation. Imagine how much more powerful it could have been if he had given a full effort. And even then, what we see when the king makes the proclamation is God might. We're going to do this because we think this is what God expects of us. This is how we're going to show him we repent just in case he decides to change his mind. That's how powerfully the Spirit of God was able to move throughout that city because one man begrudgingly said, okay, I'll go. Now, you can be mad at me talking about last seven presidents. I don't care. Um, I think all of them lie to us. I think all of them just want to be elected again. Um, and that's not bashing anyone in particular. I told one of the parents from the VLC, I said, your son has the largest vocabulary I have ever seen, and he knows how to use it. And so one day he is probably going to be a politician. And the parents started laughing because um, I believe they talk to talk. But what we see here was a king who was moved by the message of God and said, you know what? I don't want to perish. I don't want my people to perish. Let me do something. Let me do something that might appease the God of creation. that we could avoid this calamity. And because they did, because they turned from their evil ways, and this is a lesson for our country, because they turned away from evil, God relented on what he had said he would do. That submission changed the course of that nation for years and years. Now, if you study further, you find out that they turned back and they got wicked again, and some other things happened. I guess there wasn't a Jonah for that day. 
But our country's at a point, especially in the spiritual war I talked about earlier, that if we don't start standing up and doing something and giving more than a minimal effort, we're going to find that God's not inclined to turn from his wrath on us. That's not a popular message. And some people aren't going to like that I said it. And I'm okay with that. But the hill we see our country sliding down is of our own making. And unless we turn it around, it's only going to get worse from here. And I thought it was pretty bad. Some of the stuff that's out there. I don't know about you. As we see here in the, the, the last part of chapter 3, God changes his mind, but he never changes his character. God's character is unchanging throughout all time. And we see different facets of that character expressed in different times in the Bible. In this way, at first we saw the wrath of God as it was going to come down on Nineveh. But in the end, we see the mercy of God. The suspension of things that were due. Um, and it shows us how wonderful the God we serve is. Because yes, he is full of judgment. Yes, he is full of wrath. Yes, he is full of righteousness, but he is also full of love and mercy and grace. And so there's hope. There's hope for the worst of the worst. That person that you never pray for because God can't save them. They're way too far gone. Maybe it's you. Maybe I'm way too far gone. I've heard that. I like what you're saying. It all sounds great. But I'm way past that now. There's no saving me. So I'm just going to party until it's over. You and those around you are never beyond the redemption of God if you are willing to open your mouth and give them that hope. And don't give up. Don't give up. I don't want to hear that. I Don't talk that church stuff to me. Okay. Next time. Hey, can I tell you about the grace of God and what he's done in my life? Man, I don't want to hear. Be persistent. Don't be annoying, but be persistent. Because you never know when that person's finally going to go, okay, I'll go. Right? I told you last week, I'll tell you again this week, there are people in your sphere of influence that only you will reach. And you will only reach them if you are bold enough and brave enough and loud enough and persistent enough to continually remind them of the love and mercy and grace that God has available for them if they will just submit to him. Sounds easy. And it really is. It really is. 
One of the coolest things about the Holy Spirit as he has worked in my life is that he has been able to give me the ability to, uh, come on, come on. He has given me the ability to be able to crucify my ego every day. Now, those of you who know me well might not think I do that, but just imagine if I wasn't. Yeah. Boy, that Jason, he thinks a lot of himself. No, not as much as I used to. In fact, I told somebody the other day um, that I didn't think very highly of some things that I had done, and they said, well, that's strange because you always tell me you're the smartest person in the room. And I said, yeah, so what's that tell you I think about everybody else? No, I'm just kidding. Um, But the Holy Spirit has given me the power to crucify my ego every day. And it is something I struggle with. I have always been open and honest. Humility is not my forte. That's why a lot of people don't like me. Because I'm loud and I'm brash and uh, I'm a know-it-all. Even when I don't know it all. I'll argue with you till I turn blue in the face. Unless you're Mac. And then I just will back away because he intimidates me. But while I crucify the fleshly side of my ego, I use those same characteristics to be able to go and tell people about Christ. And so what the devil meant for bad in my life, God has turned and used for good. And so I can sit up here and proclaim that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation and that you have to submit your life to him in order to be redeemed from the sin debt that you owe. You can never be good enough. You can never do good enough. You have to completely release your life into his hands and allow him to make you a new life and a new mind and a new heart one that's loud and one that's bold and uses those same characteristics that everybody else says are your downsides, flip them around and use them to proclaim the gospel. But let's give more effort. Let's individually give a little more effort this week and as a church, let's give a little more effort this week. That's not a condemnation in in what we've been doing. But I think those who have been here for quite a while know that we used to do a lot more. Am I right? And we've kind of taken a step back. It's time to change that. time for this church to stand back up to the vision and the values that it was founded on. So when pastor stands up here and says the VLC needs volunteers, we should see all hands go up. When the pastor stands up here and says Saturday we have a work day, we should see 35 people out here dragging trees off. When the pastor stands up here and says we need you to give stuffing for the given, then we ought to have a wall full We ought to have an overflow. It's time to get back to the vision that God gave this church for church.
And if that hurts your feelings, don't talk to me. I'm okay with that. I am. You can be mad at me. Chad didn't approve any of this. This is not coming from him. This is coming from me, from a pastor who merged his church with this church because I saw the good you were doing. And I said, yeah, I can get in line with that. Who took a step down from lead pastor role to youth pastor role because I had no problem lining up behind that man because I know his heart. And I had no problem lining up behind this staff because I've seen their heart. Do people know you're a Christian just because you tell them? That came from last week. Is it just because you tell them or do they see it? If they see minimal effort, they probably only know because you tell them. And no, that's not the happy, feel-good message that most churches are teaching today. But we've got a battle to win and it's not going to be won on its own. We've been called to it, so let's get moving. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the life lesson that we can learn from the life of Jonah. God, how much it parallels our own walk with you from running from your call, God, to barely putting in the work that you have asked us to do. God, forgive us where we fail you. We are weak. We are weak-minded. But God, you have given us not a spirit of fear, but of power that can fill us and motivate us, God, and set us on fire for the work of the kingdom that you have called us to, God, that this neighborhood could be transformed, God, that we could push to the boundary of that half-mile radius that you have given us, God, and beyond, that we would be so involved in our Jerusalem that people from Samaria, God, would want to know what the difference is, and then we could reach to them as well. God, give us a heart that loves like yours. Help us to understand that there is freedom in submission to your will. God, we thank you that you love us anyway, that you didn't have to, but you wanted to. And even when we were in direct rebellion against you, you still made a way for us to know you. God, we ask that if there are hearts here um, that you have spoken to today, God, that they would cry out to you during this last song, that they could begin to come to a place of repentance that they might not have even known they needed. And God, we just want to say we love you for who you are and all that you have done. And God, bless us as we continue to march forward and expand your kingdom that others could be drawn to you. In Jesus' name, amen.